You're listening to Saikon Talks with Saikon Sembla. Hello, 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 and welcome. You are listening to Saikon Talks. Yes, right now I am making some tea. Oh, there goes my water. <laughs> I'm going to go make my tea. One second. Boy, oh boy, that was fast. I, it seemed like I just put the water on the boil and that thing went boiling. And so, yeah, I had to take a little pause. It's never a bad time for a double matcha green tea. This one is a Japanese matcha tea powder with green tea leaves. Anybody who uh, has been listening to the podcast knows that I love a good tea. And recently I was doing a little research. Um, I do have, um, so I have Liberian roots. I have Senegalese roots. I did the whole, you know, the whole DNA thing. Um, So as far as I can trust it, (laughs) um, I was reading something about um, Senegalese tea ceremony, which I thought was so fascinating because for some some reason, you guys, I just love, um, I love tea. I love making tea. I love making little videos of me making tea. And so to find out about this this tea ceremony, any of my Senegalese listeners, please let me know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. But it's called Ataya, which is like a, a basically a, a ritualistic type of hangout over tea. And it's a, a Wolof word for tea, Ataya. So, um, yes, of course, I have African-American heritage Liberian heritage, but I got a little little Senegalese in me too. I'll do an episode where where I'll break all that down at some point. Um, anybody who's mad or tripping because of me claiming whatever, hey, that's that's on you. I like to claim everything that's a part of me. So anyway, I am doing this matcha green tea. It's never a bad time for matcha green tea, and um, I want to break down. A little bit for you guys about what it's like to be in previews for The Secret Life of Bees. We'll be right back. Like Saikon Singla on Facebook. Hello, hello everyone. Happy spring. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Saikon Talks and I am your host, Saikon Singla. If you don't know, um, or maybe you don't follow me on social media, you may be surprised to find out that I am currently in a production playing at the Atlantic Theater, um, well, for with the Atlantic Theater Company. Um, down on 20th Street, I am doing a show called The Secret Life of Bees. It's been uh, quite a time being a part of this show. The show has such a huge following. Uh, Many people know the show, or they know the title because it was a book, um, originally a novel. And the novel was written by Miss Sue Monk Kidd. It's um, so popular, has such a huge following. Millions of people have read this book over the years. It was first published, I believe, in 2001. Um, And a few years later, it was made into a movie, a motion picture, a major motion picture, by the way, which starred Queen Latifah, Jennifer Hudson, Dakota Fanning, 
Sophie Oconedo and Alicia Keys, among others. And um, it was a movie that I really enjoyed. So when I found out I was going to have an opportunity to be a part of this uh, play, you know, I was very excited. I've done a lot of readings on this play. Um, for those of you who don't know, basically when a, before a show goes to the before it goes to the stage and is fully produced with costumes, lights, set, everything, before it goes off-Broadway or on-Broadway, they do these readings and workshops. They're developmental opportunities for the writers and the creators of a show to hear what it sounds like and for the people to, you know, just get an idea of what the show can be. And they use these workshops and readings to test out material to try new songs and different lines and, you know, and also try out different actors to see who sounds good in a certain role or who, um, you know, to to get a chance to, to, to know how this show could work on its feet before they spent all the big money making it happen. So over the last couple of years, I've been in several readings, um, for this show. Um, the first reading that I actually did, um, I, it was a, it was a f- first act only, I believe, of the show. They had a few songs. They had a script, um, and I played August, I believe, and and we had um, Danielle Brooks was playing Rosaline. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember everybody who was in it at the time, but. Since 2016, we've done several different readings, and it is 2019, you guys. I cannot believe so much time has flown by. And here we are actually in production. Um, I play Rosaline Days, and this character is probably one of the hardest characters I've ever played. I'm not going to pretend like it's easy in any type of way because it's been quite um challenging for me it's a very emotional role um the the character experiences violence um uh and she um you know she deals with racism on a really high level and so it's been a lot for me over the last few weeks you know I'm I'm in this place where I'm really I'm thinking about Hattie McDaniel um those of you who I think I'm saying this every time for those of you who don't know for those of you who don't know I I don't want to take my young listeners for granted you know so I'm saying that because of that I often meet young people who don't know who certain people are so so forgive me if I'm breaking it down and you're like of course I know who Hattie McDaniel is but Hattie McDaniel was an American actress um she was best known for her role in Gone with the Wind and the character was called Mammy. And she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for this role. And in this um, movie, she played a maid, probably one of the most famous maids, you know, to ever grace the screen. Previously, she was known for, like, doing voiceovers. And um, there was, like, a lot of radio shows and things um, back in the day. And so she was known for that. And she appeared in a lot of different movies, but Gone with the Wind is one of the most famous movies of all time. And she appeared in that movie. And so, so many people were so very proud of her appearing in that movie. You know, so many people 
looked up to her because it was like, you know, seeing her, you know, in magazines and knowing of her as a movie star. And, you know, it was a very exciting time, especially because a lot of black people did not have those opportunities to have speaking lines and leading roles on film. There were people who had done a lot of Broadway and there were some, you know, here and there, but basically she really stood out. Um, But one of the things that um, something that famously was said about her was, you know, there were some who complained that she played a maid and there were some that would say, you know, you know, maybe she played a maid, but she would rather play one than be one. And so it was interesting um, because I find myself in that position now. The character that I play, Rosaline, is a maid. Um, She's a a nanny to a young white girl um, living in this old town. And, you know, um, to play a subservient character and then to also um, experience abuse in the show, um, you know, every nightly in the show you know or at times in rehearsal when we have to rehearse you know choreographing a fight scene or you know I mean I shouldn't even call it a fight it's a beating you know that happens has absolutely been very grueling um you know sort of every day coming to work and and having anxiety about knowing that we're going to have to rehearse these scenes and work on it. And, you know, all my castmates are so great. You know, the actors are cool. Um, But I'm not sure that our creative team, you know, they're they're trying to make a story happen. And so I don't know that they have the time to to worry about uh, my little old feelings. So it's just been a process for me um, getting accustomed to this show, you know, singing these songs and and feeling these feelings expressing these emotions the beautiful thing about the show is that there's a beautiful portrayal of the black madonna and the black madonna um or the black mary as we we may um we call her in in the play um is a very um should i say misunderstood image um, in American history um, in some places. I'm going to read a little bit right here online. The term Black Madonna or Black Virgin refers to statues or paintings of the Blessed Virgin Mary in which she and the often infant Jesus are depicted with black or dark skin. The Black Madonna can be generally found in Catholic, Catholic and Orthodox countries. The statues or paintings are mostly wooden, but occasionally stone, often painted up to 75 centimeters tall. And they fall into two main groups, freestanding upright figures or seated figures on a throne. Uh, Pictures are usually icons, which are Byzantine in style, often made in 13th or 14th century Italy. And basically in the world, you guys, there are about 400 to 500 black Madonnas in Europe, depending on how they're classified. So what you're seeing in this this story based on the book, the novel by Sumant Kidd, is the depiction of business women, farm women, independent women who have their own farm, their own land, and they also have their own um, way of worshiping, which is similar to what some of these Orthodox 
uh, places have, which involve the black Mary. So it's such a positive and beautiful statement about one being able to worship in one's own image, which is something that, you know, as African-Americans here, um, historically with slavery, our people were not necessarily given that opportunity, um, depictions of spiritual uh, spiritual pictures of, of Madonna or of the birth of Jesus are generally portrayed in European um, styles. And so, you know, there is a way that, that one is affected when one rarely sees oneself um, depicted on, on film, in books, on television, whatever, when it's limited or when it's not considered to be the norm. So this this show I, you know i can't i don't know if i should call it a spoiler alert or not because this book has been out for over 20 years the movie came out in 2008 you know people know what the story is so i i don't consider this to be a spoiler but i think i'm going to i'm going to put spoiler in the in the um the description of this particular episode <laughs> because i don't want people to uh you know be like i can't believe she talked about it so spoiler <laughs> um I find that so positive. The music, the the rhythms, the the respect that's paid to these women in their worship. But at the same time, as an actor, it's been very difficult for me um, portraying the other side um, of, uh, you know, sort of downtrodden, beaten, mistreated, <laughs> you know. Um, and so... It's been, it's just, it's been a challenge. That's, that's my main expression I want to say right now. Um, and every day I'm working to find how I can make this be one of, one of my better theatrical experiences as an actress um, and as a, a lover and patron of the arts. We'll be right back. Search Sacon Talks on YouTube for performances and video. Thank you. You are listening to Sacon Talks. And I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about our creative team for The Secret Life of Bees. Uh, the book is by, so the so the novel is, of course, written by Sue Monk Kidd, but the book for the musical is written by our Pulitzer Prize winner, Lynn Nottage. The music is by Duncan Sheik. The lyrics are by Susan Birkenhead. And our director is Sam Gold. And our choreographer is Chris Walker. Then we have scenic design by Mimi Lien, um, costume design by Didi Ayite, and lighting by Jane Cox, and sound design by Dan Moses Schreier. And then we have these puppets, um, our little bee puppets by Ashen Walsh Studios. Our MD is Jason Hart. And uh, we have orchestrations by Duncan Sheik and also John Clancy. Um, music contraction by Antoine Silverman. And our hair and makeup design is by Cookie Jordan. And shout out to Blake, too, who's on hair and makeup on our day-to-day -day hair and makeup. I just want to name all those people. Make sure I had that on the record. I have to give a special shout out to Ben Rahala. 
Um, I just got to shout Ben out and also Brian. I got to shout them out because they're on the musical team. And I was reading this from from Playbill and their name is not mentioned there. But, you know, these are the people who are with us every day. Um, this creative team, they're working so hard. And um, I just had to, of course, let you guys know who is making this show happen. Um, I mean, there's so many people involved, big producers and big um, general management, all kinds of things, um, people involved to make this show and bring this show to life. And um, it's been really fascinating, uh, you know, studying or learning about um, this le- this type of uh, spiritualism. It's been um, very cool to... Uh, talk with Imani Izuri about the Black Madonna and also speak with Chris, uh, our, our uh, choreographer, Chris, you know, learning about the different ways that Black or the African diasporic spiritual experience has been manifested throughout the world and seeing the common, uh, the commonalities between each of these you know, every place or nation that has been touched by um, the, the, the diaspora and the similarities is just amazing and uncanny. Honestly, I could do a whole podcast by itself just about, you know, the spiritual practices within the diaspora and how, how things move and, and morph and how they're shaped and influenced based on environment and location and language and, you know, all of that stuff. So that's been one of the most thrilling and interesting parts of, of this being a part of this process for me. Um, the show having a basis with the South Carolina um, location even though, hey, we're doing it in New York, but you know, when you come to the show, you're supposed to feel like you're in South Carolina. You, you see me shucking corn, and you know, you see the ladies. You know, I'm snapping peas, and you know, we 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 getting 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 our farm on, you know, <laughs> and um, just the natural vibe of that is something that I that I find so beautiful. Although, as an actor, I'm not used to singing with like corn juice on my fingers. So <laughs> I found I had to like build in some little moments to clean my hands and stuff like that, that, you know, these are things that the audience is not thinking about. They're just watching the show, but you know, everybody's, everybody's different. So just having the chance to learn and focus on these, these diasporic elements of reflection, if I may, <laughs> um, has been really delightful. Um, it's been something that I look forward to within the rehearsal, um, in between my my tough uh, rehearsal portions. So, you know, y'all pray for me. God be with me that I can um, continue to show uh, or bear witness to this type of um, experience and that I am able to still maintain myself and have, um, you know, joy as a woman, as an actress even when I'm portraying these types of things, you know, I'm going to say this, every person is different. And there are some actors who can do anything on stage, you know, be naked, get in a fight, cuss somebody out, do a backflip, you know, and then literally just walk out the theater and grab a sandwich and go about their day like nothing happened. 
for some reason, I am not that person. I've always been a, a person who, you know, took a lot of what my character was going through and had to sort of process it. You know, I, I've always been the type of person that needed to process things out. Um, and so that's just been, you know, my cross to bear with, with, um, with this particular show. So my followers, please, please send your, your positive prayers, uh, for me as I'm playing this role. I dedicate this role of Rosaline to Sandra Bland. Um, if you don't know who she is, please research her name, Sandra Bland, um, God rest her soul and, and everything that she went through, um, as a victim at the hands of unfair treatment and police brutality. They've all been working so hard to make this project happen for several years. And so I'm sure, you know, it's like a baby to see the baby, like finally, finally getting to walk <laughs> uh, and speak its first words. I think it's probably very moving. So everybody's been quite emotional. Um, we have not opened yet. We are in previews, honey, pre views. And do you know what that means? That means that every day, um, basically I had to look forward to a month of including my commute, basically noon to midnight days every single day. Any of you do theater and know what it's like to be in a tech rehearsal process or a preview process. This is one of the most time consuming parts of creating a show. And I've done previews and tech for several different shows in my career. Um, most of them, any new pro project that you do that's a play, you know, when you're going through that preview and that tech period, these are really long hours, grueling hours. You don't have a lot of personal time. And you're just trying to do the best you can to be good with the show or whatever project it is. But then you're also trying to maintain communication with your friends, your family, Find a way to have your happiness, find time to eat, uh, find time to maintain, you know, other projects or things that you may be working on outside. And it's it's pretty tough, you know. Um, something that I've been practicing this time around, I don't know how successful I've been at it or not, but I've been practicing trying not to complain about the hours. I know I have definitely complained <laughs> about my fears with reenacting the violence, I've definitely, that's been something that's been a part of me that I'm working through. Um, but, but I've tried not to complain about the hours. I try to make everything just seem so, so very easy. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think somehow that has made it a little more bearable for me. I've been in other, um, preview time periods or rehearsal time periods where, you know, I was very irritable or just, you know, in a bad mood. I mean, look, we all have our moods. It's some long hours we're spending, lights glaring in your face. And I know I, I've had some light sensitivity at times. So, you know, the hours can be really long and, and, you know, you're under pressure. Sometimes a song is cut or a new song is added or a new verse to an old song is added or a new scene or line changes or, you know, lines change to different people. You know, a lot of this stuff is happening and then you're having to perform it right there in front of the audience. You know, I think people are not as aware of, of what it takes to 
produce a hit show. I think they just think you just sort of show up and sing, but all of the precision that you see with entrances and exits, all of that stuff is rehearsed to a T to make it good and to make it something valuable that people will want to see over and over and over again. So being in a preview process with a brand new show that's being created, you know, based on source material, you want to sort of honor the material, but then you want to honor the fans who love the material. You want your actors to be comfortable. You don't want anybody to get hurt, you know, but you also want people to do daring things that make the audience feel excited, you know, and that could be anywhere from singing amazing vocal notes to doing some crazy wild dance step, you know, a lot of that um, is something that performers, you know, actors, singers, dancers work on to make people feel amazed and make them feel like they got their money's worth. You know, one of the things that's most interesting when dealing with one's friends or family outside of the entertainment is that on holidays, people have come to see you entertain them and to amaze them and make them feel good because they're on a vacation or a break away from their work, away from their jobs, away from their worry. And so, you know, what is the worry of the performer? (laughs) You know, it's a thing that's definitely taken for granted. I don't think that people want to even presume that a performer has worries or concerns, you know, but sort of as I'm walking around being being in the building with my fellow actors seeing um the work that they're putting in you know people's um personal pains or or group pains that we all have as we're processing trying to learn new lines or you know just wanting to be good and present ourselves it it can be stressful but in the end we always try to make sure that the audience has a good show you know because it's like no matter what kind of stress or whatever you're going through, people don't know about any of that. They just know whether they saw the show and enjoyed you or whether they thought you were good or not. That's all they know. That's all they walk away with. So I'm trying to keep that in mind um, with my my positive attitude towards previews. I did a little footage the other day. Um, look out for, there's going to be a YouTube vlog. Um, just one little evening one afternoon I would say in between shows um during tech it was a a beautiful day the sun was out and we were all having a good time and I was so pleased to capture that um many thanks to Nzinga and her mother who provided uh lunch for the cast that day some Trinidadian lunch by the way was so good um but I just want my listeners to know that I am a work in progress This play, The Secret Life of Bees, my role in it, my role in it is a work in progress. I'm working to find my best way to represent this working woman, represent this woman who is just a young girl um, feeling the responsibility for another young girl as she deals with um, this tyranny. And so it's a day-by-day step. So anyone who sees the show and has listened to this podcast will have an idea of what what I'm experiencing as I'm working on this role. I thank you and appreciate you for listening to Saycon Talks. Visit SaconTalks.com for blogs, social, and merch. 
Honey Wax.